Sorry that you're not cool in like old games. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of what I thought when I was playing priorities. I'm like, how many points do I have? <laughs> okay, that's fair. I did that to other people. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so are we back into this? Yeah, we're back into it. everybody welcome to the red raven games podcast episode three revenge of the concrete i didn't throw that in there because you know, revenge of the so, yeah yeah this is our third episode three episode three yeah yeah so it'll be next week's episode podcast awakens or yeah no that's yeah. episode seven. Oh, it's episode seven that's right yeah yeah I don't count the first three episodes sorry oh okay i guess it's episode four new episode yeah, yeah. episode Next week's episode four will be A New Hope. Yeah. Yeah. Also, next week's episode will be really good. This will be a bad episode. Nice. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, I'm Ryan Lockett, and I'm here with Craig Knight and Brenna Asplund. What's up? Hey. So, how are you guys doing? How was your uh, Memorial Day weekend? Well, we just spent like a good half hour discussing what a horrible movie X-Men Apocalypse was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which I went to go see... Uh, was very on Friday. It's terrible and amazing. It's so funny and so bad. Oh, it's so frustrating. It's a frustrating movie to watch, but it is it is entertaining. It's it's just bad but entertaining at the same time. Just go see it, but go see it with people you can make fun of it with. That's my recommendation. <laughs> yeah, because there's a there's a couple of moments where you're watching it and you're thinking to yourself, are they being serious? And they're being serious, and you might just laugh. So feel free to laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love movies that are so bad yeah they're good yeah mm-hmm. like um it's an experience w- yeah like one of my <laughs> movies i always go back to is uh big trouble in little china oh yeah, yeah terrible yeah. movie but man it's so entertaining it i don't is. know i just love it yeah <laughs> yeah no but yeah immediately after we got out of the movie i went to see it with my brother and sister and we all we all tweeted the second we got out and my brother's tweet about it was, I'm calling it now. X-Men Apocalypse is the best comedy of 2016. Highly recommended. <laughs> and then... Best comedy. <laughs> then my sister's tweet was, X-Men Apocalypse was an absolute train wreck of a movie. A total disaster from start to finish. I loved every minute. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. How can you not see it with that review? Exactly. Yeah, you should go see it now. It's Rotten Tomatoes at 13... I don't know what it's at, Rotten Tomatoes. I guess it's bad, throw, though. Throw, throw some arbitrary percentage. 15%. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a pretty busy weekend. I went up to Madison, uh, Wisconsin, for a trade show, the ACD Games Day, mm-hmm. and had a good time there, although I... I think I brought home some con cred. You got some consars? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that's that why, sucks. yeah, that, hence the name of the episode. Gosh. Yeah. Con, con cred and consars is easily the worst, like, sickness that I've ever gone through. Like, my, I would rather, like, 
have my wisdom teeth removed again, <laughs> like without any like anesthesia, then have Consar's Consecrate again. Oh yeah, it's so bad because it takes you like a week to get over it, and sometimes more because you're just shaking hands with so many people, and it's like, ah, it's bad. It's like a whole bunch of uh, you know sicknesses combined together it's the worst. to try to take over try your to whole make body. The mega, the mega apocalypse sickness. <laughs> the virus of cons. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I did that, and then uh, I got got back, and even you know, even though I was sick, I had stuff to do. So <laughs> yeah. I got I put my computer together at home, so I finally have a way to paint at home because I'm not quite getting enough done at work. So yeah, now nice. I can Woo-hoo. now I can work at night. <laughs> Woo! Work you're just working eighty hours a day. Work work work. Yeah. Twenty four yeah. seven. There you go. And then uh, on on Saturday to do something fun. This sounds kind of weird, but we all piled in the car and drove down to the great salt lake and i had never been there i never like touched really? the lake no oh it's so the we, worst i know we got out there <laughs> and well it, it's gross but it was kind of a crazy experience yeah. so we got there and we get out of the car and it's like a mile walk down mm-hmm. the beach i mean the beach is it's like this empty salt flat thing and you walk forever and like try to avoid the dead birds and then you get there and it's kind of this warm you know, this tepid, smelly, salty water. And we got in, splashed around, and it was amazing. It's it's <laughs> definitely an experience. Like, I, I can't wait to take my kids to go to the Great Salt Lake because you have to at least go there and just be like, never again. <laughs> it's, it's ecologically fascinating, though. It's such an interesting thing. There's so many, like, interesting articles written about the Great Salt Lake. It's, it's such a fun, like, just attraction on every level oh yeah and speaking of attraction like when we were there 90 percent of the other people there were asian tourists <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know you can tell like the locals aren't really don't like interested. to go hang out <laughs> yeah. in salt lake. But, Day weekend i'm gonna go to the great salt lake <laughs> yeah i mean but the you know people come from asian and it's it's a you know that it's a weird thing you got to go see it yeah so that's one of the things you see when you're in salt lake I don't. So. I don't know if you can actually go to it or not, but it would be really cool to see the spiral jetty. Oh yeah, I haven't. Have you heard I've about never that? Been there, mm-hmm. but, I never uh, heard of that. It was. Before. It was a really big art installation that someone did on the side of the Great Salt Lake, where they basically just built a giant spiral out of rocks. What games are you guys playing? I so this last week I went to down to Monument Valley to visit with my friends and his wife. And on my way there, I played a ton of Bravely Second, which is the, the sequel oh, yeah, to Bravely yeah. Default. And that game is freaking awesome because I love like really generic JRPG games, and that was exactly what I wanted to play. And it's just super generic. Story is like just terrible. It's like go collect the crystals and go beat the bad guys. It's like story development's terrible. Character is like are just super generic but well i mean at least it's straightforward yeah yeah Yeah. i love it and i love the job system is awesome the combat's like really fun interesting it's just a really fun game yeah i've always looked at those and uh i mean i've never played it because i don't have a 3ds yeah Mm. but uh yeah i mean because i grew up playing the tons of jrpgs Mm -hmm. so i'm always looking out for stuff like that yeah Sometimes you don't want something innovative. Sometimes there's a type of game you want, and you just want a really good example of that type of game. Yeah. I'm, I'm the it's king fine. of not wanting innovative games. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes there's innovation just for the sake of innovation, but it yeah. tends to it, it, it ruins the the system. Yeah, you know yeah. It, it, what they make, they say it's better because it's innovative, but it's not. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. like for example, a game that so I really love Mass Effect, the first game. I thought it was really good. Like even though a combat was like clunky and the the Mako is terrible, it doesn't run that well, but the the story was awesome, the character development was great, and there's so much exploration you can do. Then compared to Mass Effect 2 where they made it really innovative, the combat was better. But everything else sucked See, in that I com- game. I completely disagree. <laughs> There's no inventory management. They just got rid of it, and it's like, oh, you have some armor, but don't worry okay. about being able to have pink camo armor or even new guns. Or even like when you level up, you have like seven, five or seven options compared to in the first game where you have like sixteen thousand options you can choose from. Like character development is awesome. I can make a mistake and know that I made a mistake. Whereas Mass Effect 2, oh, I can just put a point here and there's no, like, way to cripple a mistake, which is exactly what how I feel about Diablo 3 compared to Diablo 2. See, personally, I like the simplified level-up system. I think the game's a lot more fun to play. <laughs> I prefer games if they give me a way to go back and fix a mistake. I don't like games that punish me too harshly for choices. And I think that the characters, the crew of Mass Effect 2 is actually way more interesting and oh, compelling. Oh, the crew is awesome in 2, also, but everything else just sucks. Also, Thane Krios is my alien frog husband. <laughs> so, He's cool. I like so him a you, lot. You can't. I love Thane. <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm, you can't I, argue. You can't I, argue with that. with that. No, no, no. Like, the story of Mass Effect 2 is really it's way good. Better. It's it's not better in it's some better. it's good it's okay, really but, good i mean like you were talking about choices but like the big choice you have to make in mass effect one that like one character dies or another one doesn't is completely arbitrary and just sticks you there so that you'll have to make some oh yeah that, difficult that choice. part's really stupid that's not interesting the, it's boring I, and overdone. I was more compelled to beat mass effect one than i was two. when i played two i just felt like I have to do this just to get through it. And when I play a game like that and the story isn't as compelling, it, it's really hard for me to actually complete See, the game. I, I just found the story in Mass Effect 2 more compelling. I've mm. played through it multiple times, and I only ever played Mass Effect 1 once. Now, I will say, <laughs> so I, I played 1. Yeah. Um, I got near the end, and I, but I didn't complete it. And I never played 2, but people kept telling me, oh, Two's the one. Two's the best one. But uh, it's interesting to hear, like, the differing opinions there. Yeah. But I will agree with you on Diablo 2 versus Diablo 3. Two, to me, is ten times more interesting mm-hmm. than three. Yeah. Um, I haven't actually played those ones, but that's what I've heard, yeah. is that two is the best That's one. the best comparison I can make to anyone who's, like, never played Mass Effect 1 or 2. It's just, yeah. it, they're like that, except if you take away, like, story and character-wise and, like, just go straight-up gameplay, that's... The way to compare but them i don't to. i don't have the most popular opinions on mass effect either because i actually liked really really liked three too before they changed which the got ending. a lot of no see i i think the ending was bad and still is bad but the rest yeah. of the game is really good especially the citadel dlc yeah which is so much fun i will say i was sad to hear they got rid of like the planet exploration stuff that, <sighs> from one and i'll say and i say that because well the other day i was talking to brenna about a game i i like and i'm pretty sure they they were inspired by Star Control 2, mm-hmm. which has a lot of that in it. You go around exploring, you have a little vehicle. When you go to a planet, you go down on the planet with the vehicle and you kind of go around and pick up like supplies and stuff yep. and you get back in your ship. It totally influenced Mass Effect 1. And then in 2, they were like, 
uh, let's let's dump all that stuff. And yeah. I know, I guess some people don't like it, but I think they're going back in that direction for Mass Effect Andromeda, though. It seems I hope like so. they're really emphasizing the ex- exploration element. What I was playing last week <laughs> was a bunch of weird little indie games that were kind of on the other end of more like the innovation for innovation, although some of them were pretty fun. But one of them that I played was so weird, and I loved it. It was called The Raccoon Who Lost Their Shape, and it was just a short visual novel about this anthropomorphic raccoon who's like a spirit medium, but he can only contact the spirits of dead shape people. (laughs) And shape people are literally, they're just two-dimensional shapes with faces. So it's just this anthropomorphic raccoon talking to the spirits of dead shapes. Wow. It's an entertaining game. Interesting. I've never <laughs> heard of a premise yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On Sunday, I played Istanbul, which is a game that was, uh, let's see, it got the Kenner Spiel de Dejar. So so you guys have heard of the SDJ award, right? The, mm-hmm. the Game of the Year award in yeah, Germany. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, everybody knows Settlers of Catan got that award, and many other games have gotten it. But they have... That award is more for more accessible board games, mm-hmm. and the Kenner Spiel is like it's more for like the next level up in complexity. More they call it I get, I forget what that exactly means. Like gamers games is is the idea, and they actually don't even tend to be super complicated games. They're still you know medium lighter games almost. Some people would say, but. Anyway, um, we played it once, and in the game, it's it's in the city, and you're a merchant, and you're you take turns moving around and collecting goods, and you're trying to get six rubies before the other player gets them. And when we were playing it, I'm I thought, wow, this is somewhat similar to Islebound. <laughs> <laughs> Islebound actually has a, you know a couple things in common with the game, and. I think when people play Islebound, they might say, oh, he must have been inspired by Istanbul. But I'm telling you, I, I actually did not play the game. So this is your official disclaimer. This is my disclaimer. <laughs> I, I, in fact, I knew nothing about the game. But I wouldn't say they're really similar, but they do have some things in common. Like in both games, you move your pieces around um, to different spaces. And, you know, if somebody's on a space and you want to go there, you got to pay something and you're collecting goods and turning them into other goods and you know it, it's so it does have some things in common when i played the first time i played istanbul it was with two players uh, mallory and i played and i wasn't i wasn't super taken with it it seemed like she rolled really well and i rolled poorly and so she won <laughs> is it really like dice heavy yeah. determines like well the outcome of the game not exactly i mean there are spaces you go to where you roll to see how much of a resource you get. And that's not the whole game. That's just a small part of the game. Right. Yeah. But I tend, every time I went somewhere, I just, I, I didn't get anything. I like kept getting bad stuff and then she kept getting stuff. So I kept looking at her and saying, wow, this is so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we played it again with my brother and then we added the, they have an expansion called the, the it's like the coffee expansion. Mm-hmm. And it adds a bunch of more tiles and, and more, uh, different strategies to try out and when we played it with three with the expansion i thought it was great all right so uh anything else before we move on to our next little topic here no i think we should near on over i don't know i'm trying to like think of a good that was a nice segue we'll just we'll just we'll just cut this out (laughs) okay so yeah let's talk about near and far development 
we a lot of us were gone most of last week yeah yep but brenna did I a few did, things um i did a lot of writing for the encounter book and uh, also some like copy editing for the encounter book and then i created a whole 40 card deck for an arcade mode that we're developing that will basically allow you to skip the encounters if you don't want to do all that reading yeah yeah just a short little thing without all the flavor text basically yeah so one thing i wanted to include in the game and we just hadn't made it yet was a way for players to play without the book if they mm -hmm. wanted let's say you want to play a certain map and you've just read all those encounters so many times just use the cards so the cards, the way it works, it's just a random deck. You draw it, and it tells you what you run into. And without giving you a description, you just get a choice. You know, so you're still making that choice, but it's um, it's a quicker uh, version. And you know, I know some people don't they they don't love the story thing, so this is for them. And I still tried to be pretty creative with the things you ran into, so it wouldn't be completely boring. So I think I've got like a, a overly friendly giant squid in there. Uh, <laughs> couple things like that just some weird interesting things so that it's still it's still a fun to play oh yeah yeah cool cool now a big change i made is i've been working on the atlas which is the book of maps that you play with and it's you know it was going to have like 11 maps in it and i had painted i was working on the ninth map and i decided i'm not quite happy with these maps i'm going to start <laughs> over <laughs> oh my gosh. I knew when I saw you looking like working on your computer, I was like, that's a different oh, he's starting all over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That basically is like sixty hours of work, like down the drain. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, it's okay, because working on those old maps sort of prepared me for the new maps. Yeah, so it's not it's not really down the drain, it's just practice. You know? Yeah. So why did I start over? It's basically because I felt like the book, I thought it was good. It wasn't a bad book of maps, but I wanted to make a book that felt more like an atlas, like a hand-drawn ancient book that you found, uh, and it had these ancient you know, maps on it. And so I changed the style. The old style was like more of my normal painterly mm -hmm. look, and the new style is uh, a look I used to go for, like I used to do like pen and ink and watercolor drawings mm. and so that's more what the maps look like now so starting over and I'm, I'm really happy with the look but yeah i'm really liking the new map design uh i feel like it really increases the sense of scale like you're moving around a bigger area than you were before which kind of makes the whole thing feel more epic yeah i totally agree and it also allows me to put more specific details on the map it's a little easier with that style so they can match the encounters mm -hmm. yeah lots of new stuff you know i the good thing is it actually will take me less time uh in this style than mm -hmm. the old style because the old style i'm painting everything and that just that style just takes longer to, to render art so the new style it you know it still takes some time but i'll get through that book quicker this time would you say this is probably your biggest thing that you've just all of a sudden decided to change whenever you've created a game <laughs> um it might be uh i although I, i'm not sure i can 
discount many versions of Empires of the Void I worked on and like yeah put in the closet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, done tons of art for, done tons of work on, and then decided it wasn't quite there and I needed to do something else, mm-hmm. and so I put it away for a while. And th- this will lead into some things we're going to talk about later. But mm-hmm. why don't we jump into questions? This is a new segment. Ooh. Yeah, that we are going to start this week. We actually had a, a few emails from people that had questions for us to talk to answer on the podcast. So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be reading the questions, and then Ryan's gonna answer them. Yeah, and you guys, we might chime in, in like we do. Chime if you, in if nice. you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Liam from Cape Cod asked, "Our gaming group has noted some visual similarities in some of your games." We were wondering if there is a Pixar theory that binds them together. Is it all a trans-dimensional dingo's dream, or perhaps they fall on a timeline? Oh, that's a great question. Trans-dimensional dingo's dreams. <laughs> it's all a dream. Every game, it's just a big dream. At the end, yeah. we're going to release a game that's like... That's like, you wake up you from wake the up dream. You wake up from yeah. the dream. And you're a dingo. And you're actually a dingo. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Um, yes, I would say that the some of the games... Not all of the games, but many of the games actually take place in the same setting yeah so the set the world i've set these in is it actually has a name yeah it's called arzium yeah what yes that's true so yeah let's talk about what what which games take place in arzium city of iron was the first game and also included in that world is above and below and islebound and near and far will also be in the same world so yes the answer is yes they are connected and that kind of leads us into yeah so question two uh, far and away or i think they probably mean near, near and, far, and far yeah yeah seems to reference the greater world will there be any references to the titans of ancient world in near and far uh we always wondered what happened to them the ancient world it is sort of a it doesn't specifically take place in the same world it's it's more of its own thing it's like this ancient you know maybe the legends of the ancient world are exist in in arzium mm. and maybe yeah maybe we will be able to include a couple of references in, in the near and far book but i wouldn't say they're directly related yeah and uh third part of this question do you ever plan on releasing additional monsters and titans for the ancient world i've thought about it and uh, people ask for it a lot at this point we don't i don't have anything planned i mean i've written things down mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but I wouldn't expect it anytime soon. So, so. Uh, don't plan on that as stocking <laughs> stuffers for this Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So Jason from Board Game Geek asks, I subscribed to your new podcast and had a discussion question I hope you can answer. I don't know uh, how you find the time to do it, but thank you. It's great to hear a developer talking openly about games in, in development instead of hiding details. How is work coming on Empires of the Void 2nd Edition? What changes can we expect? Yeah, Empires of the Void 2nd Edition. That's something I'm always working on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So at the beginning of this year, that was my main project. And I, in fact, made a couple videos and a a lot of people saw them and and where I talked about the things I was changing in Empires of the Void, you know, the new versions, uh, the new rules I had come up with. And some of those things you know, we're working really well. But what always happens to Empires of the Void, it's sort of like the neglected child. Yeah. I, I I spend some time with him and then I have to go away for a while. I think Empires of the Void is the most requested reprint of, of anything we've got. Wow. 
and I get maybe a, sometimes one email a week about it at conventions. Someone always asks about it. Uh, yeah, it's something we're going to do. We decided to focus on near and far, and that just happens in game development. You know, sometimes you you work on a game. And you go down a road for a while and you sort of hit a dead end. You don't not quite what sure to do. So you put it aside and you work on something else. And that's what happened because we I started working on near and far and it just developed so quickly that and it's just going so well that we're just gonna go, we're gonna finish that. After that's done, our next we've got one other little game that is mostly finished that is designed by Alf Siegert. That's called Haven. And then after Very that exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And uh that, that shouldn't take us too long. And then right after that, we're going to dive into Empires of the Void, second edition. Now, what changes can we expect? I think there will be a lot of rule changes, and I've worked on a ton of different versions over the years. I mean, Craig, you played mm-hmm. the original back in the day like before it came alpha. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The original game. That was the first game we made at Red Raven. Yeah. And I think it has some fun things in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's definitely more of an american style game you can attack you attack people but some there are a couple things i like about it you know i like how i like the trading yeah you know we we have that trading element it's almost like a settlers of Catan thing in there mm-hmm. and i want to keep that in and i've tried at one point we got rid of it and I thought that was the way to go, but I'm, I was mistaken. You know, we need to keep the trading. It's just really hard. I, I, I find that trading is one of the hardest mechanics to, to make balanced, yeah. to make work in a game. Yeah. What happens a lot of the time in trading is players generally don't want to trade with each other mm-hmm. because they don't want to give another player an advantage. Even if it helps both of those players get ahead it seems like a lot of players just have that oh man it's gonna help him too yeah i'm not gonna do it even if it helps you more you f- you have that uh that feeling like it's gonna help them too so you yeah. just don't want to well, do it i feel like there's always that sense that like since it's such it's such a personal thing trading between players it doesn't feel as much like it's just a game mechanic yeah that it's like oh well they've got some sort of secret plan going on so i think this is helping me more but it's really helping them more and they're gonna win yeah. because i chose to trade with them because of their it's secret whole, plan like, that i don't know because of their secret plan <laughs> and it's it becomes like a whole poker thing where you're like oh are they bluffing what do they have in their hand here yeah but you know i love trading in games mm-hmm. so i want to make it work above and below has trading and it seems from the comments i hear and read it seems like people in many games they don't use it yeah, I've I've played through a few games of Above and Below, and we've never done any trading. Yeah, now I will say when you're when you're playing with two, it's a lot less common because mm-hmm. um, it's a lot more obvious, you know, that you're helping the other player, and and it's a neck and neck race, so mm-hmm. it's you know it's not quite as interesting. But I hear a lot of people also say once you figure out trading and once you figure out the value of goods and stuff it uh, cranks it up a notch like it makes it more fun it's a part of the game i think a lot of people miss but i actually do agree i think that it it makes for a much more interesting game and so if you haven't if you've played above and below anybody out there (laughs) and you haven't done any trading and you're playing with four players give it a shot because actually if you if you go through it and you do it correctly it's actually extremely beneficial for you 
and also for the person you're trading with. But um, that's that's sort of the the decisions you've got to make, like who to trade with. You know, you don't mm-hmm. want to trade with the guy mm-hmm. in the lead. You want to trade with somebody else that you know maybe is a little bit behind, but it's going to help both of you a lot. Yeah, I'll have to try to do more trading next time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, but you know, I I think that first game or that first those first few games, you don't realize yeah. the value of. Things. I think that's the thing is I've I've only played a couple times, so I've still been trying to figure out the rest of the mechanics, and it's like trying to hoard all your resources when actually looking at it, it's probably smarter to try to get a wider variety of resources rather than hoarding the ones you've got. Yeah. So in a nutshell, what changes can, can we expect from Empires of the Void 2nd Edition? I'll tell you, I would like the game to to feel similar to the original game, but the tech tree will be different. The combat will be a little more streamlined and there will be an exploration element. Those are the three main changes. So look forward to that. Very far forward. In the year of... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do you have time for one more question? Sure. Because we just got a tweet in from oh. a Brian... I'm going to totally butcher your last name. Breaking Col- news. Yeah, bri- breaking news. Da, 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 da. Brian Koseski. <laughs> Mike Wika- Mike Wiskowski. Yeah, Mike Wiskowski. Mike Wiskowski. <laughs> he says, Hey, Red Ribbon Games, listener number 242 of your podcast here. I was wondering, how many board games do you own, and how many design expand at one time? I own about a hundred and maybe hundred and fifty games. Oh my gosh! Wow. Which is a very small number compared to many board game geek or board game enthusiasts. It's common to own a thousand. I own about hundred fifty. Mm-hmm. I want to. I want to get rid of at least seventy of them uh, that I d- I don't ever play and can't see myself playing again. So there was a time. It's like a couple years ago. Back when I was getting into board games, I was buying as many as I could, you know, and I went to Essen mm-hmm. and I brought home a suitcase full of them. Mm. Mallory's like, what? Why did you buy like 15 games? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I say all this about Mallory. She's actually also very interested in board games and beats me almost every time we play it. Mal is super game. competitive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But... Uh, I think at the time it, it seemed weird because I was buying so many board games. Yeah. yeah. Um, everybody, I think people, everybody goes through that at, right. at some point. And then how many design, design like at a, at a period, how many board games do you design? I design, on an average, I probably design 10 games a year. Now, I only publish, you'll notice I don't publish 10 games mm-hmm. a year, and I think that helps me keep the quality as high as I can. The idea is like, if I published everything I designed, we wouldn't we wouldn't have our games wouldn't be as good. So I I design as much as I can, and a lot of those designs just end up on the shelf. And some of those designs are actually they're okay, they're pretty good, they're really not bad. It's just getting to the finish line seems like it's not worth it. Yeah. Or there's another game we want to work on, like near and far. <laughs> yeah. You get distracted. <laughs> Basically, yeah. Ryan has ADD and can't decide what to focus on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of true. It's kind of true. Actually, that that's going to lead us into our our next section: game development tip of the week. Tip, tip, tip of the week. My t- my tip this week is is don't be afraid to throw things out just to get to the best version possible. And the reason I mentioned that again this week is because of I worked for sixty or who knows how many hours on that book of maps for near and far 
and ended up dumping it. So all yeah. in the name of getting to the right thing that, that, that I want. So if something's not working or something's not quite right, and, and in this case, it's a, it's a graphic design thing. It's mm-hmm. a visual illustration thing. It's not even a gameplay element. Mm-hmm. And I'd say even more so for gameplay elements, you got to be willing to just throw it away. I mean, figure out if it's not working. You got to know. You don't want to just throw stuff away just left and right just because. But if it seems like it's not fun, you know, you're playing, you keep playing games and people aren't getting it. They're not excited about a certain thing. Get rid of it. Think up something else. But from what you've been saying, it seems like you have that philosophy towards whole games themselves as mm-hmm. well as elements of games that you're like, oh, well, here I've created 10 designs. This one's not quite working. This one, So I'll just toss that aside and not deal with that right <laughs> yeah. now because that would, this whole game isn't working. Yeah. So I think it's it's basically just don't get married to your ideas. Like, you can't be like, oh, I've had this one idea, and this is the best idea ever, and I have to do this one idea, and then, like, fight with it for years because you can't actually do anything with it. Sounds like If a it's marriage. not going anywhere, throw yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah, if it's not going anywhere with your spouse, throw just, them away. Just get rid of it. Yeah. No. Don't be afraid of divorce. <laughs> okay, it actually doesn't apply to It marriage. doesn't apply to relationships. Just creative just endeavors. Just creative endeavors. And that's the other thing. I think it's hard to you know, distance yourself from your own creation. It's like, Mm. I love it. It's my baby. It's so beautiful. It came from my own mind. Isn't it amazing? Mm -hmm. And it's hard to to let something go sometimes because you think, oh, this is the best thing I'm ever going to make. But the reality is that it's not. Or like, this is the best idea I'm ever going to have and I'm never going to have any other ideas. Yeah. And the thing is, you will. You're going to. Yeah, actually, the more you're willing to go through new ideas, the more ideas you'll have, Mm -hmm. you know, and it, it, it it's really like yeah you, you turn on that faucet and it just keeps coming you just got to be willing to to not hang on to something so much <laughs> yeah yeah so there's our uh, tip of the week and i think that ends everything we've got planned so pretty much any other comments from you guys i feel like we need a theme song for the tip of the week tip of the week <laughs> is uh Tip your hat to making sure you, I don't tip, know. Tip, tip, tip of the week. <laughs> I don't know, I'll, I'll try to think. I'll just put that we'll, in there. We'll record. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded that pretty good, right actually. Now. Did you hear the end of the episode this last week? <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, oh you should listen. I, I basically made you say something. And <laughs> I've got to go listen to it. Yeah. So we'll yeah. just I'll just add that little jingle you made. Sweet. We're going to have it every episode. Every, every Yeah, every. that's the official <laughs> tip of the week theme song now. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. I do expect to be paid royalties. Yeah, uh, I can't promise that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So visit our uh, website, redravengames.com, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Red Raven Game. And uh, we'll keep putting these out every week. Subscribe and rate the podcast. Yep, yep. on SoundCloud, iTunes, and even Stitcher and other weird podcasting things that people have probably put it on so you can find it anywhere yep all right uh have a great week everybody see you later see ya see ya see that was a nice ending we it was simple it was we're not gonna do something stupid like we did last week <laughs> we're just like we don't know what we're gonna do uh should we end this episode yeah should we just keep going forever <laughs> so what'd you guys eat for lunch i had a hamburger